All right. Is that working? This isn't. Good morning, everyone. Is that working, Dusty? Yeah, we're good? All right. So, Advent, week two, we're going over peace. And uh, i got to tell you, when I first got the email that had the list of all the different points, of all of the ones that I could get, I was like, man, why'd Joe give me peace? Like, I, I've been struggling with this very um, topic. Um, for those of you that don't know, my dad passed away on the morning of Halloween. And it was crippling. So I was like, man, why would Joe give me this? And I realized Joe didn't. God did. Like, God gave me this so that, A, I could encourage you guys that, that you can have peace when the storm is raging. Um, and, B, you can see that I don't always start with a joke because I looked, guys. I wanted to start with something funny. I always start with something funny, but I just couldn't find any. I searched. I did Google. I did DuckDuckGo. I, did, I looked everywhere. No jokes. This was what God wanted. So, my dad never had one of those moments where he was like, I'm a sinner, I want Jesus to come in my life, and, and, and so I would know, like, in my heart of hearts that, that he's in heaven. He never had that moment. He never had it with me. Um, but, that all being said, I do know that I sat more than one time with him, and, and I gave him the gospel, any time that I was in Hermiston, my hometown, my, my best friend, ooh, my best friend, Jason Estel, um, good buddy, buddy in the Lord, he planted a church in my hometown. So if I come to town on a, and I'm there on a Sunday, I have an open, open pulpit. I can tell him on Saturday, and he'll be like, fine, dude, I'll lead worship, right? And so anytime I taught, my dad was there. Like, he wanted to come. It wasn't that I told him he had to. I didn't force him. And not only did he come, he would bring my, my nieces and nephews and say, we got to go to this thing. Um, to the point where when my brother came in and asked Jason to do his service because I was in no condition to, to perform a funeral service, when, when he went to ask Jason, Jason said, he, he said, yeah, our dad passed away. And Jason said, it was the cookies, wasn't it? Because he gave out these cookies and my dad would have like a stack in his hand just be going around like the cookie monster during service. So I didn't have a confirmation, and it, it, did, it made me struggle because I have an 11-year-old son, and you know what an 11-year-old son's going to ask when he finds out grandpa's dead? Like, is he in heaven? Like, that's especially my son. He, he has this discernment to know what questions I don't want him to ask, and he asks them anyway. So I was, I was, I was sweating it. And it was Halloween day, so my son wasn't going to, you know, he didn't want to go trick-or-treating, so that meant I, it just gave more time. And then I realized on that very first day, which is amazing that God would love me that way, I realized it didn't matter about my dad's character. Like, that's what I was struggling with. Like, those of you guys don't know, my dad, he smoked more marijuana than Cheech and Chong. Like, he, he, he was... And, and, and he was foul mouth everything, right? Like, like, just like me. Like, that was me before Christ. 
And so I was like, it doesn't matter my dad's character because I know the character of God. And God made a way for everybody, not just my dad, but everybody to make it in. And it's up to God. It's his judgment, not my own. So in that, I can have peace. I can have peace knowing who Jesus is. Um, and then as if that weren't enough, my brother called me up the week before the funeral. He called me up and he was like, bro, you're never going to believe this. And I was like, what? He's like, God spoke to me and God's in bleep in heaven. And I was like, wow, we'll clean up your language so you can make it there too. Right? <laughs> I joke like that with my brother all the time. But, um, so he'd been, his wife had been going through birthday cards that my dad had gotten for her. And she found this one. To my knowledge, it was the only one that actually had a Bible verse on it. And the Bible verse, when my brother saw it, he didn't even realize it was a Bible verse at first. Then when he did, he said, Babe, hand me my Bible. I think God's trying to talk to me. And for my brother to say that is amazing. Like, that's, that's amazing. He he's really is struggling to... He's working with us to work, clean up his mouth because he doesn't want his, his like, two-month-old daughter to grow up to be as foul-mouthed as he is. But he's, he's a work in progress. But for him to say, grab my Bible, I want to see this. And here's the verse that was given to him. Oh, wait, before I can do that, I've got to put my eyes on. It was Psalm 28.7. And it simply says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and my song, with my song, I praise Him. As if me knowing God's character wasn't enough for peace in my life, He brought my foul-mouthed brother a word to share with me. Like, how amazing is that? So, so that gave me peace. Like, that, that was real peace. It wasn't anything from the outside. There was no self-help book that helped me. It was simply knowing who God was and trusting that he would do what he said. That was, that's where my peace came from. So that's where we're starting from here on the second week of Advent. Uh, first, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, it's in your Old Testament. Um, we're going to be in chapter 11, verse 9. I'm going to read through it. Or chapter 11, verse 1 through like 10, I think. Yeah, 10. Verse 1 through 10. Verse 1 says, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and, the faithfulness, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf with the young lion, and the fatling together with the little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, and their young will lie down, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. 
The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. And the first point we're going to have comes from this passage, and that point is knowledge of Jesus is peace for the whole world, not just not just for the, for the Jews, as the Jews would believe in this. I think if we, we investigate, we'll see that the Jews are actually saying it's more than just us. This is bigger than us. This includes everyone. So, the first thing we see there is where it says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. That word there, shoot, it literally means a growth that seems weak, but is alive. In, in Job 14, Job, Job, I say Job because me and my son, that's what we call it. We're like, get a job. So, Job 14.7, For there is hope for a tree when it's cut down, that it will sprout again, and its shoots will not fail. It's that same word picture there of, of a branch that, that appears weak, but is full of life. And that branch is, of course, Jesus. Uh, and then the, next, the very next verse, well, in, the, in that same verse, it says, a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And I think it's interesting here that it, it's mentioning Jesse, because Jesse was never king. David was, Right? But I believe this is to give a picture of, of the way the world was when Jesus came back. See, the a, a offspring of David hadn't ruled, hadn't been for over 600 years when Jesus, when Jesus hit the scene. It had been 600 years since he, his lineage had been on the throne. And, and this is where it comes in. And I believe Isaiah is alluding to that by mentioning Jesse instead of David and saying saying that this is going to be David's offspring here, saying it's showing someone that, that isn't known to be king, but is going to be a king. And then from the next, the next few verses, when we're, we're looking at you know, 2, 3, 4, all the way to 9, this is basically giving a blueprint to identify who Messiah is. This is telling you things that are going to happen because of Messiah. Um, one of the places that you can see Jesus meeting this, there's many, is in Luke 4, 16 through 19. And it says, He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim and release captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. You see, this is all, this entire passage is giving us a, a blueprint, the DNA of what Messiah will look like so that we can see who he is when he comes. That was, that was one of the purposes of Isaiah's writing. And when we get to verse 10, the beauty of it is it tells us who Messiah is for. 
It says, then in that day, the nations. That's not, that's, nations is more than Israel. This is talking about more people than just the Jewish people. It's talking about everyone. It says, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the people. And mine says people. In some of your translations, it'll say Gentiles, which, which is literally probably, is anyone here Jewish? So it's all of us. We're all Gentiles, right? Which means we get to eat bacon, which is cool. But we see here, it's not just the Jews. Isaiah is opening the door for everyone. Everyone has the opportunity to have full knowledge of God. It's not just for the... Even in the temple itself, when Jesus came in the temple and was flipping over tables... Sorry, I didn't put this in my notes, so I don't know the, the address... But when he's flipping over tables, he was flipping over tables because they were selling stuff in, in the hall of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles had a place in the temple where they could come and hear from God. It was on the very outside spot, but it was a place for them. And, and the Pharisees had taken it over, and they had placed up stalls to sell knickknacks and, and, and offerings and all of these things, which pushed the Gentiles out. It didn't give them a place or provide them a place to to worship God. And, and here we see Isaiah that God's heart isn't just for the Jews. Though he loves them, he also loves the entire world. That's why he sent the Jews to be a shining hill so that everybody could see when Messiah comes and when Jesus comes. And then at the end it says, our, our rest will be glorious. The guru to Jesse is going to bring peace. And we can count on that because it's promised right here by, by, by Isaiah himself, or by God through Isaiah, I should say. The next point that I have, point two, is hope is the foundation of peace. This time we're going to be in Romans 15, and it's verses 4 through 13. I'm going to pick up and read. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promise given to fathers, and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercies as it is written. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing your name. Verse 10, again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, and again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people praise Him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we see here, this is adding to the whole concept that, that this peace is for everyone. Here, I believe Paul in, in Romans, there's arguments, might not be Paul, but we're going to use Paul's name. Uh, Paul here is saying the Gentiles are included in this. 
His heart was for the Gentiles. Paul was called. He, he wanted to, to preach to the Jews, but that's not what he was called to preach to. He was called to preach to the Gentiles. And then last week, Joe brought hope, right? That was the advent. Advent was hope. His points were hope. Hope is an anchor, right? Wrap yourself in hope. And hope means that we're ready. And it's important that, that this message, I believe, build on top of that. Because without hope, we can't have peace. Like, the two are intrinsically tied together. So, verse 1 here tells us that the God of the universe, the God that created absolutely everything from absolutely nothing, has given us instructions. I'm a big fan of instructions. Like, I know guys aren't supposed to. We're not supposed to ask for directions. We're not supposed to read the instructions. But YouTube's my best friend. Like, if I need to know how to do something, last night we were making cupcakes. I was like, you know what? I don't want these to be duds. So I watched a couple of YouTube channels. Cupcakes turned out. My wife was like, oh, you're such a good baker. It was YouTube. It wasn't, I didn't do anything special. I just watched a video right? Well, last week, just, this, just a couple of days ago, I'm not, I didn't ask permission to give this, this uh, illustration, so I'm not going to give names, but a friend of mine that will remain nameless had, had purchased new seat covers, and, and her and her daughter attempted to put them on, and, and she, was, she got frustrated and was like, I can't do this, and I threw her hands up and I'm going to take it to my, my other daughter's husband and have him put them on. Well, he didn't, he didn't get it figured out anyway. So at this point, she was hopeless. Like, she had absolutely no hope in, that these could be put on. She tried to call the company and give them back. And they're like, sorry, we made them custom. I'm not going to take them back. And so she was like, Greg, you, you kind of can figure stuff out. Maybe could you help me? And I was like, sure, what's the brand? I'll look it up on YouTube and see what it says. And she's like, I, there's instructions in there. I was like, oh, and there was. There was, there was. It was one-page instructions. So I went out, and she, the whole time she's like trying to talk me out of it because she was so hopeless that these just weren't going to work. And I, we put the first one on, which took about 15 minutes. It took longer than it should have, right? Because I didn't know, and I was banging. I got cuts on my fingers and stuff from it, but... You had to like snake it around, and it, but we got it all hooked up. She's like, oh, wow. And the next one, I didn't even have to help. I just kind of stayed there, and I put my finger there when she tied a knot, and, right? But she did it pretty much by herself. And when she was done, boy, howdy. She was so excited and happy. I mean, now if you look on social media, you'll see pictures of these seat covers. She's very, very proud of them, all right? She, she now has peace about her purchase. She's like, these are great. Because there was instructions and all, all we had to do was in, we had to follow them. I didn't do anything special. Like I didn't, it, it didn't take a master plan. I just had to know how to read, which we learn in like second grade, even in public school, right? So if you can read, you can follow instructions. And it's the same thing with the Bible. God gave us instructions and then over the time, he's, he's had it translated into languages that everyone can read. Like, at this point, I don't even know how many languages the Bible's in, but I can tell you that everybody here has a version that they can read, probably within 
let's say 50 feet of them, if they don't have one on, on. Like God gave us instructions. And when I don't follow them, it, it catches up to me. It really does. So my friend in, in her time went from hopelessness to peace. And I believe hope is the foundation that gives us that peace. And this verse is telling us that. I mean, in, in verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, which joy is next week, just to, not, not to be a spoiler. But like All of these are going to tie together. Joy and peace in the believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's hope? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 is a great one, right? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for and proof of things unseen. I see here that a lot of times when we don't have peace, it's because we don't have hope. Like, the two are tied together. So that's the first place. If, if you're in a place where you don't feel hope, it's okay to pick up your phone and give me a call. It's okay to pick up your phone and give Joe a call. Um, you Reach out to people because if you leave that feeling in the darkness, you'll be stuck with three crazy people, me, myself, and I. Right, And when you're there, you're not in a good spot. God wants us to be in community. He wants us to be surrounded by other believers and unbelievers. It's important that we have them too. Otherwise, how are you ever going to talk to someone about Jesus? And it's really easy to be in an echo chamber where everybody's talking about Jesus and have fellowship. But we also have to spread our wings and get out of the church too. Right? But for this, when you're feeling hopeless, seek out a brother, someone you trust. Right? Come, come sit down with them. Um, that, that's my, my two bits on that. So Isaiah showed us that knowledge of Jesus brings peace. Then we see here that hope is the foundation for peace. And now, as Nacho Libre says, we get into the nitty-gritty. Right? Which three is, without repentance, we will not have uh, Matthew 3, verses 1 through 12. Maybe I should do my Southern Baptist, right? Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one who referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him in all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, you, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. 
The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his, fleshy, his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. For the longest time when I read this section, I thought of like your stereotypical Baptist preacher, like Southern Baptist preacher. My, my buddy George, the, the guy that uh, introduced me to my wife, he grew up in Tennessee, and, and his baptism story is probably one of the funniest ones I've ever heard. In church one day, the preacher up front said, I feel like baptizing someone today. Who wants to be baptized? And nobody said anything. Nobody volunteered. And so he said, boy, and he pointed at George, you're getting baptized. And that is how my buddy George got baptized. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that. And, and not all Baptist churches do that. That was just this one. And I don't, I don't think that that's a model that they all follow. Just, just want to get that out there because we are online and I don't want to raise up. But I, I picture John as kind of a, a crazy, wild-haired man um, wearing like burlap sack with you know, bugs sticking out of his teeth, little grasshopper leg here or there, um, bottle of like the, the bear honey on his side, right? I, that's just, he's like crazy conspiracy theorist that's still living in his mother's stable, right? But that's not who John was, right? That was my picture of him before, okay? That is not who John the Baptist is. As we go through this, we see that's nowhere near who he was. Um, in our old house, our old apartment, I should say, in our old apartment, the stove was here, and the, the smoke detector was right there, right? So if you opened the stove, you didn't even have to have anything in it. You could just be preheating it. If you left it open too long, smoke detector went off. So we called it the cooking detector, right? Um, I see John as being like a biblical version of the smoke detector. There is a fire coming, guys. Make, make no mistake. There, there's a fire. Jesus talks about hell more than just about anything else. Hell is a real place. If you believe in Jesus, there is a real hell. And that is why John is, is preaching like this. Because there is real danger. You don't, if there's real danger, like if my kid's going towards the street and I see a car, I don't like, hey, Bo, get out of the way. I'm like, yes! Like, you're going you're gonna to get a reaction from, sorry about that, that was a little bit loud. But, but that's what, you're going to get their attention, Right? And that's what John's doing. And he is getting attention. It says people are coming from far and wide. Jesus comes to get baptized. They estimate Jesus walked 70 miles from where he was to get baptized. And if you guys have ever been in Israel, it's not always, it's not like flat land. I, I always pictured it being like flat. It's not flat. Some places are like completely covered in rocks that will twist your ankle off, right? Like... It's, it's treacherous, kind of, to walk on some of the stuff. So, I, especially the 
path that they, that they probably would have taken, it was, it was a hike to get out to where John the Baptist was. They were coming from Jerusalem. They are coming from Judea. They are coming from all over. So, John the Baptist, when you hear a smoke alarm, there's, there's, three, there's four responses, but three, three for this illustration. You guys can pick it apart if you like. Send, send an email to Joe. Um, you can do nothing when you hear this fire alarm. You, just, yeah. uh, you can investigate to make sure that there's really a fire. Or you can say, well, this thing's going off. I better get out of here or I'm going to burn up. And you can flee, right? And with John the Baptist, I see you having kind of the same options, right? You can, you can hear the words repent and say, oh, stupid Christian, always using that R word, right? And just ignore it. You can investigate, which could lead to you getting everything, right? You ignore it, you lose everything. If you investigate, you could get everything. And if you hear repent and you just flee, you turn around and you go, you just say, okay, this is what I need to do, you get everything. Like it saves everything. And that's, John the Baptist here is doing just that. He wants people to know it's not just a matter of following the law. It's understanding that everyone breaks the law and God is now given a provision to rectify that to cleanse that. It says it will separate that from us as far as the east is from the west. That thing that's called sin. So John here is laying out the basics for peace. He's saying repent, and then if you look, what verse was it? I didn't put that in my notes. Uh, He says, repent and bear fruit. Uh, I was just there. Uh, Verse 8 says, Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not suppose that you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. He's saying there, repent, like turn around and go the other way. Kind of like Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. Right? Potiphar's wife was probably a trophy wife. He was a rich dude. Probably a trophy wife. She probably wasn't unattractive. Right? Joseph, she was coming on to Joseph hot and heavy because she'd taken his shirt off, right? His shirt was left at the scene of the crime. That was one of pieces of evidence. And it says that he just bolted. He didn't even take time to grab his cloak. He was like, I gotta get out of here. This is not the place God wants me. Right? That's called discernment. It's something, it's it's a spiritual gift that everybody in this room is given when they're saved. You have that gift. You exercise it. What happens when you exercise muscles? They get bigger, right? Exercise discernment will give more discernment. So here we say, or here we see him say these two things, right? Repent and then bear fruit. When I first got saved, that was the thing that I really wanted to be able to do, is like go through and count my fruit, right? Like I was positive that I had it. I just didn't know where it was all at. So I wanted to number it and, and label it and put it on a shelf so I could say I got fruit there and there and there. I'm in. And then this pastor, I don't know who it was. I can't remember who. I just remember the, the gist of it. And this probably isn't even an exact quote. right? This is like the, the GMV, the Greg Moses version. Um, but 
fruit trees don't exert force to bear fruit. It just happens, right? Like God provides rain and sunlight, and fruit just forms. Repenting is like cutting the water shoots that grow on fruit trees. Fruit trees get these shoots. I seen them over at Doug's house. He was the one that, he may have been the one that told me this, but for sure he is the one that showed me water shoots for the first time. And they grow straight up and they will never, ever, ever, ever bear fruit. They just take energy from the tree to grow a useless piece or a useless branch straight up in the air, right? And, and if your tree isn't producing very much fruit, it's because you have too many of those shoots. You've got to cut them off. That's what pruning does. You cut those off. And then instead of growing that shoot, your, your tree can focus that energy on making more fruit. We're much the same way with repentance. Every time we leave an unrepentant sin, it's like a water shoot that hasn't been cut off. It's taking away energy that we could have focusing on something that really matters, like Jesus. Right? I have, I have people come to me all the time like, um, what do you think about, who do you think the beast is? And what about the number 666? Those are all great things to, to read. I'm not knocking them. But if you just accepted the Lord last week, I think there's some other things that we could have you read first. Right? Like, slowly but surely. Right? Let's baby steps. And, and so, a lot of times, I, I try and gently, lovingly tell them, you know what? Before we study this, maybe we should look at, at some other things like, learn who Jesus really is. Like, read the Gospels. I don't know, six times in a row. Or um, learn who he was, which again, read the Gospels five or six times in a row. Or learn what he's coming back to do. That's way more fruitful than reading about what the number 666 means or who the beast is going to be or the Antichrist. Those are all important things to know. I'm not knocking those. But, in Hebrews, it says we need to drink milk and then eat meat, right? Drink milk, then eat meat. Don't start at meat. We don't give meat to infants, right? So new believers, if you're new in the Lord and you'd like to go through and just study about Jesus, again, do it on your own. But if you'd like to get together with myself, with, with Joe, I mean, give us a call. We can come to a home fellowship, right? We, we meet every Wednesday, 7 o'clock. We sing songs. Sorry about that. Sounds a hiccup, burp, something. We sing songs to Jesus. Then we, we pray together. And then we spend, you know, we go over each of the points and see what everybody, everybody got from it. And then we share it so that everybody sharpens everybody. Um, and, and spoiler alert, when you're learning what Jesus is coming back to do, it's, it's to kick Satan's butt. Like, he wins. He wins in the end. You're on the winning team if you're on Jesus' team. So, our three points today is knowledge of Jesus is peace for the whole world. Hope is the foundation of peace. And without repentance is the third. Without repentance, we'll not have peace. I'm lacking peace in my life when, when I lose focus on who and what peace comes from. It, true peace 
is rooted in the person of Jesus. It starts when we realize who and what he was in history, and it looks expectantly for his return. That's what today is for. Anyone here remember the old uh, Nintendo, the, the first one? You had to take the cartridge out and blow in and before you put it in, right? So that was what me and my brother cut our teeth on when it, when it came to video games. And I remember playing Tech Mobile. And, and the, the thing about that Nintendo is it had a reset button. When you did it, it just, just everything went away. It just stopped and restarted the whole game. You could be mid-game, which we were. We were playing Tech Mobile. He was playing his favorite Los Angeles Raiders. I don't remember what team I was playing. It wasn't Green Bay because they sucked us on Tech Mobile. But we were playing Tech Mobile, and I was up big on his Raiders, and he was getting so angry. And he went over and he pushed reset. Right? And all of a sudden, he, was, he had peace. Like he was, he, his team wasn't losing anymore. I didn't have peace. I remember being a little angry about it, but he had peace. The game restarted. If our life starts getting out of control, much like that game did for my brother, the cool thing is God gave us a reset button too. Like there's a reset button that we can push at any time and, and start learning to walk with, with God again. There's so many ways to hit that reset button. Um, I'm going to give you two verses, but I promise if you keep looking in there, God will give you your, your verse. Not the one for Greg, not the one for Joe, but the one for you that resonates with your heart that is him actually speaking to you. And that builds hope, and that hope builds peace. So here, though, is one that I really love. It's in James 4.8, and it simply says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. That's a promise. That's not just a pithy saying. That's a promise that God's given that if you draw near to him, and it doesn't even say how far. It doesn't say you have to go 10 feet. It doesn't say you've got to go a mile. It just says draw nearer. If you take a step nearer, that means God. It doesn't say that he only takes a step. I know God. I think he probably takes a few. For every year one, he probably takes five. Like, at least for me, that's true because I'm really stubborn. My wife will admit to that, right? I'm stubborn, and so for me to, to admit fault and to, to say that I'm a sinner... That, that doesn't always resonate well with me. I take it like... And so, James 4.8 is, is encouraging. And then, 1 John, remember we just got done with that book? In 1 John 1.9 it says, If we confess our sins, He, Jesus God, is faithful and righteousness to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Not just forgive, right? You can forgive someone. I've forgiven people and then still I see them and I'm like, oh, right? That's not talking about that forgiveness. This says it'll forgive us and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. We can actually put on Jesus' righteousness. And there's a million different books about a million different steps to getting right with God. Today, however, let's remember that true peace will come when Jesus comes back. 
That's when real peace comes, the complete peace. That word shalom in the Hebrew text. Do a word study on it. That's, it, it doesn't just mean lack of war. It means completeness, as if we're missing something right now that we're going to get someday in the future. And that true peace comes when Jesus comes back. It'll be right, it will right all the wrongs that we've done. And it will return us to Eden where God wanted us from the beginning. That, that place, Eden, if you read about it in Genesis, it's, it sounds lush and beautiful, kind of like Blutrick Gardens, right? That's, the, that's where God's going to take us back to. And as we see God keep promises, that'll bring peace. That'll build on hope. And when those things are not present, God gives discernment so that we can repent and draw near to Him again. And the thing about this is, I can't, I can't repent for anyone here. I can only repent for myself. Joe can't repent for anybody here, only for himself. But if that's something that you need to do, if God puts it on your heart, then and, and, and you're just kind of feeling like, this, right? Feel free to, to reach out. We would love to walk with you when it comes to, to these types of things, that, to, to, to embrace and help you seek out what God wants in your life. I know that we, the pastors and elders here, we, we really desire to walk with you as you walk with God. And so, with that, I better close. Otherwise, oh, I think I was on time too. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for peace, Lord. For peace in a time when, when, when peace is, is a rare commodity, Lord. I pray right now for peace over, over these people, Lord, that you would, would continue to build in them hope and that would build in them peace so that they could then have joy and love those around them in such a way that people could see Jesus. That's, that's what we desire, Lord, is that people would come to see Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey there, this is Pastor Joe again, and I pray that you were blessed by this morning's sermon. If you ever want to find out more information about our fellowship, you can find us at calvarysanjuan.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at Calvary San Juan Island or even on Facebook at Calvary San Juan. Or if you ever want to catch a live service, you can find us at Calvary San Juan Live, all caps live. God bless you and hope to see you soon.